0: Thanks for tuning in to the 168 Podcast, a podcast from Mitchell Knight and Jordan Byrd of the Clarence Church of Christ, aimed at helping you connect Sunday worship with everyday life.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the podcast. We hope you all have a Merry Christmas, opposed to Happy Christmas, as Mitch apparently...
0: Yeah, I say that.
1: ...says that because he has some British affinity in his vocabulary, apparently.
0: Primarily of English origin, so that's why I took to it, I suppose.
1: But Merry Christmas, everybody. We hope you have uh, a good week and uh, day when you do celebrate Christmas and enjoy time with your family and friends and all the things you get to do associated with celebrating the birth of our Savior Jesus. In light of it being Christmas time, we're going to have one more episode focused on the birth of Jesus and its implications in our life as followers of, of him. And today we're going to look at the missional dynamic of Christmas or the birth of Jesus. And I forgot to look up the verse, so I need to look that up real quick and we'll have to cut this part out. We'll be right back. The missional component of The birth of Jesus or Christmas, at least one place where we see that can be seen in Matthew chapter one, where Matthew is capturing uh, the birth of Jesus and how he writes it in his gospel. But in verses 22 and 23, uh, we encounter this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And this is, I think it's following after Joseph kind of is looped in about what's happening with Mary and, and her being pregnant in verse 23 says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so that last part, Emmanuel, or God with us, is the part that we're going to focus on in the missional dynamic that we see play out in the birth of Jesus. And just the idea that God sought us out in our being separated from him to come be with us. Mitch, what are your thoughts kind of just on that idea as a whole when you think about it?
0: For me, Christmas at this point is not just a historical event that we look back on as Christians, but there's also a dynamic to it of the current present day situation we find ourselves in. I mean, the whole like kind of what the scripture is getting at as well is that The birth of Jesus is kind of the fullness of this idea that God wants to be made known to us, that he wants to literally be with us. And I think it's a call for us as well to understand that God wants to be with us. He wants to be made known to us. And now we, after the ascension of Jesus, have the wonderful opportunity to help God be made known through us and our example, you know, being made into the image of a little Christ through the Spirit. So I think um, that's kind of what I mainly get out of it. As God has made himself known to us, uh, and that's a joyous occasion to celebrate, it's also a call into the mission field. And, you know, even in this season, it's like, well, why do you celebrate? Well, like, what are you doing? Why do you go to church on Christmas Eve? Why do you do this? There's so many doors that open for conversations about who Jesus is and, yeah, I think those are just some of my thoughts on it.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of this kind of goes back to the, the reality that there isn't like the life of God and mission attached onto like to it as like a add on kind of thing, but rather the life of God is a life that's always on mission. Like that's just part of who he is. And you see this in and through just how he created everything from the get go. Like he was like on the move and out of the flow of his love like he wanted to create this whole world which we are a part of and so our life flows out of his life in that way but then when we've like separated ourselves from god and he wants to reunite us with him he again is on the move and his spirit has been on the move ever since we separated from him and we see the flesh and blood version of god being on the move toward us in the life of Jesus, uh, being born and taking on flesh from, you know, just coming to share our humanity in that way. And yeah, that whole tone is set already before Jesus even lives out his like adult life on earth. Um, where like, yeah, the teachings and the, the more explicit nature of some, the the missional component comes out or aspect comes out, but that flows in and out of who God already is. He is a being on mission. He's always seeking to be, uh with and and we see that in and through the life of jesus that like we see the flesh and blood concrete reality of god coming to be with us like it's not just this oh i want to but like we don't know what that actually looks like like no he actually came to be with us and so yeah that that nature of god we see play out not only in the birth of jesus but then again in his life and then as he calls as jesus calls people to follow after him those of us who then follow in the footsteps of Jesus have the opportunity to participate in that life and to then like Mitch already mentioned, kind of be an extension of the life of Christ into the world where we have the opportunity to now go be with others as God is with us. And that isn't just like go be with the people you find nice or you want to be with. It's like go to, to all people of the world. And we see that most clearly in what we often call the great commission Um, where Jesus calls his disciples to go into all the world and, uh, make him known. But we see that that's how God already was with us who didn't know him or didn't, or had separated ourselves from him. And so as we follow Jesus, we are invited into that process to then be an extension of God's mission in the world. And Christmas is, is a place where we get to, or at least the birth of Jesus is a place where we can, we see that culminating in a a very flesh and blood real way. And so, yeah, like while we do celebrate all the other things that we've talked about in relation to the incarnation or God taking on flesh, we also can celebrate what God has been doing before Jesus is born and what He continues to do after he came to live in a flesh and blood uh, body and the, the blessing and uh, grace that we have of being brought into to that as well. You want to add on to that at all?
0: Um, not necessarily add on to it, but just talking about like the Christmas season in general, which I, I mean, I guess it's kind of adding on to it. But I feel like the way our culture has kind of used Christmas in a different way than its original intent is like, well, everything needs to be perfect. Like I need to find love or I need to find happiness or if I just get enough money to buy this one gift for this one person. But really, Christmas doesn't exist Apart from the broken reality that we live in, I mean, Christmas is the celebration that God entered into the broken reality that we live in. I mean, nothing's ever going to be perfect and it's in this darkness that we celebrate a great light that came to us. I mean, it's not about, it's not about trying to change your circumstances ourselves. It's about celebrating the fact that, um, one man has come into the world that changed the circumstances of You know, our lives, you know, our death, our sin for us. I mean, that's what we celebrate. It's in the darkness that we, we're celebrating this. We're not, you know, we're not expected to have everything going amazingly. It's the fact that we are broken and we do live in a broken reality that makes this so amazing that God wanted to be a part of it and that he wanted to set us free from it and be born in the flesh of Jesus.
1: Yeah. I think the the imperfect surrounds in which God comes to be with us fits well with who he is and being the kind of being he is on mission. Like he, he didn't look for, I mean, there were some opportune things that like, obviously he helped make happen for good. And in the end, like, um, I mean, you can look back and, and to some degree, the way the world was when Jesus was born, made it conducive for, the good news of who he was to be shared not very long after he was born. Whereas, you know, however many years before that, would that have been the case? I mean, you can, it's easy to look back now and see like how God was at work to make that happen in the way that it happened. I mean, he could do the same thing now, but it's just, you can see that he worked within uh the reality of how things were to help make it the best situation possible. But that doesn't mean everything was hunky-dory. I mean, you had... Jesus born into the Israelite people who were essentially under occupation from another um, country or power, that's definitely not ideal. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of things that were not ideal about how he came, but yet he still sought to be with us. Um, I mean, he sought to be with people who actively, I mean, by the end of his life, literally put him to death. I mean, that's not the, an ideal thing that anyone wants to enter into either. But yet, because out of as The popular verse, John 3.16, talks about out of God's abundant love, because God so loved the world, he came to be with us. God sent his only son to be with us, and um, he loves us that much. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to then extend that same dynamic into our relationships with other people as well. Any other thoughts you want to add on for kind of wrap up?
0: Not on that, not particularly.
1: All right. All right, we have a couple for our... 168 debate. We're going to do things a little bit differently than we have in previous episodes where we have two sets of pet peeves of Christmas, if you will, that we're both going to ask each other about and then give our uh, answer or commentary on on those five things. So you want to go first? Like, do you want to ask me first? You want me to ask you first?
0: Uh, I could ask you your questions first. So
1: these are different sets of things, but I'll address the first set and then I'll ask Mitch the second set.
0: So, so I think the way you, let me know if I word this incorrectly, but like, do we have any knowledge of Mary riding on a donkey?
1: Okay. So pet peeve number one about the nativity scene with the whole celebrating Jesus being born. Do these ultimately matter? A lot of these don't probably, but again, it's just like, it's not there. So Mary riding on a donkey, I think it's in, we talk about it maybe in in some songs and it's part of like the tradition that we talk about probably any sort of, um, pageant or, uh, play or anything about like the nativity or any book. I know it seems like Mary's always on a donkey And I think the assumption is there Well, she was pregnant She probably couldn't have walked the whole way She had to get there somehow So it's very likely she rode on something But from a biblical standpoint It doesn't directly say she rode on a donkey So, again, does it matter in the end? Probably not But, again, pet peeve If you want to go by, like, what's the actual story doesn't say anything about a donkey For all I know, she rode in a cart I have no idea Maybe, I don't know (laughs) I'm not sure how else she would have got there But, Tesla Yeah, I don't think quite. Auto drive. Early solar power. (laughs) (laughs) Travel by day and not by night. It's
0: still powered by fossil fuels. Don't kid yourselves, folks. Um, so what's going on with the whole in guest room situation? That's another thing you wanted to bring up, right?
1: All right. So, pet peeve number two. And part of this has to do with, I think, the translations we have in English where when it says Mary and Joseph get to Bethlehem, they're looking for a place to stay. And a lot of translations will say there was no room for them in the inn. Well, I think in our thinking, we're like, so they went to every Motel 6 in Bethlehem or something like that. And they're like, not that there was a Motel 6, but like they went to like And the this light
0: 6. wasn't left on for them.
1: <laughs> but like we have this image, I think, in our minds of like a you know a building that would hold a lot of people to be able to stay in it. Like we think of as like a hotel or a motel. Tribago. And, uh, and that's not exactly probably what the, the wording there is getting at. It does have to do with like a guest space. That's probably fairly true, but not in like how we think of as an inn. So what's probably more likely going on there is think of like a guest room at a house or Um, think of any sort of like space in a house where like someone, like if you have a bunch of people come over and they have to stay somewhere, like think of like your whole house just being full, like every place you would, you could, you would normally think to put people, even if it was like on an air mattress somewhere, like all those spaces were taken up. And so likely what it's talking about is they're talking about like, you know, this was extended family coming from all over the place for a census. So you have a lot of extended family staying in probably one building or house possibly. And so what they're talking about with, you know, there's no room is like, they're saying like, there's none of our typical places we would put people. There's, a, there's just no space. That's probably what it's getting at. And then kind of add on to that when it says like, well, you can stay out here where like, where we keep the animals essentially like a stable um, stable. Yeah. I think that's right. I'm trying to think. I feel like there's a different term, but yeah. Um We often think like, it's like this, detached area somewhere else. And, um, Oh, what's the guy's name? Bailey. I forget the hmm. Kenneth, Kenneth Bailey, I think is the guy's name has, um, a book called Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes. I think that's what it's called. And he talks about this specifically in that book, but he makes the argument that what the place where Jesus was probably born was probably more of like a lower level, like kind of add on area where animals would be kept overnight. And so some of the the idea here is that, like, animals at that time were, like, your car, your vehicle, or, like, one of your, like, most needed and prized possessions. Like, if it was taken, your transportation, your livelihood, like, a lot of different things disappeared with an animal. So you kept them close to where you stayed to try to keep track of them, not have them stolen, that kind of stuff. And so the space that sort of would, would have maybe been, like, right off the house where animals stayed is possibly where... They're refer- referencing like, oh, you could stay here. Like this isn't typically where we would probably put people, but if you want a space, here's the space. And that's probably likely what it's referencing.
0: So what about the situation with like what animals are present at the birth of Jesus?
1: Yeah. And so this one's maybe not as pertinent, but you know, like a lot of our songs or maybe even pictures kind of describe like all these animals being like surrounding Jesus, which the easy inference there is like, well, if he's staying in the place where there would have been animals, then there probably were animals there, which is really likely the case. But again, biblically, there's no reference of that. Um, for all we know, they took him and tied him outside. I don't know. Like, I mean, just for, I don't know, if sanitary purposes that they knew of at that time or whatever. Um, who knows? Again, so that's maybe not as high on like a, you know, they could have been there. They could have not been there. The point is, biblically, it doesn't say one way or the other. So like this like, need to have animals present in, like, our depictions of the Christmas story. Maybe is isn't as pressing as as we maybe often make it. But I get why it's referenced. So this is probably least of my pet peeves, maybe. And it's one I just kind of ran across, so I added it in there for sure.
0: Was Jesus quiet as a baby? (laughs) I mean, you were there, right? You know.
1: Yeah, whatever. (laughs) No, I mean, so, like, we have, you know, the song's talking about, like, You know, baby Jesus not making any sounds or sleeping quietly. And, and I mean, like any baby who sleeps a lot, yes, there are moments where they're quiet. So, like, Jesus probably was like that as a baby, too. But does it mean, like, he never cried? Like, I don't think because he's the son of God just means, like, that part of humanity was just like, eh, we're not going to take that one on. He probably cried like any other baby did.
0: Don't they kind of need to do it to lubricate their eyes? of babies need uh, to do well, that after maybe they're born. From that
1: end of it, or so, I don't know, I don't know. I'm probably the wrong person to ask that. But um I mean, I think it's it's a it's partly of a just natural trying to like it's what other way do I express what I need kind of a thing. Like I mean, it's just like any parent with an infant, they're crying, they want something. I have no idea what they want, but like they're obviously doing it for some reason. It's not just like I just want to cry to make you feel miserable. Like there's a reason they're doing it. So anyway, I do think. It's very likely that Jesus wasn't just like this perfectly content, docile child who never, you know, made any noises or something like that. All right. What's the last one?
0: Uh, you just had something about like the three kings.
1: All right. So we often talk about like the kings who brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh to Jesus as gifts. And so the easy reference there or inference there is that, like, well, there's three gifts. So there's probably three people. But it doesn't say there were only three people. It just references three different gifts, but there could have been a whole more than that. There could have been, I don't know, maybe there's only one person, I don't know, I mean, I guess this is Magi, so it's, I think it's the idea yeah, it's plural there, but there's a plurality probably with it. But it's, they're just wise men, and so like, we have no idea. I mean, some of the, the tradition even tries to give like names to these guys even that's not a certain certainty. It's just like what's been kind of become associated with those, those guys. But were there four, were there five? Was there a whole caravan with them? I mean, for as far away as they're traveling, it's very likely they probably had more people than just them The king, Like they could have servants for all I know. Who knows if they're wealthy cooks. I don't know. Like all these different things that probably, there was probably a whole caravan of people all, all together. Um, so yes, I get where the three, three Kings thing comes from. Like, because of the three gifts, but the reality is we have no idea. We don't know. It doesn't directly say in the Bible. So anyway, those are some of my pet peeves with the nativity scene. Did they ultimately make a whole lot of difference? No. <laughs> Nothing really takes away from who Jesus is, that, uh, he's the son of God and he's our savior and, and what he accomplishes in, in God taking on flesh. So anyway, just some fun pet peeve things to share. All right. So Mitch, you have, some Christmas pet peeves that we're going to look at or at least get your take on these sort of either or kind of things. So real or fake Christmas trees.
0: Um, so the, the running theme for a lot of these questions is going to be like, I don't really care. <laughs> like I just think it's ridiculous how inflammatory people will get with these kinds of arguments. I think personally, uh, you know, I've done both. I can see the positives and negatives in both, uh, with where I'm at. Um, I like synthetic Christmas trees. You know, they're easy. They're easy to store. You don't have to go out in the cold to get them. But, I mean, like, if I had kids or something like that and I'm living out in Clarence like I was, I'd probably want to give them the experience of getting a real tree. But, you know, you gotta, you gotta have a little basin with water. Either way, your cats chew it. You know, so there's a negative for both, uh, options there, but yeah, I'd say I like synthetic trees better. Okay. Non-GMO synthetic trees.
1: Alright, so sticking with the little tree thing, tree theme. Angel on top of the tree or a star on top of the tree, or is there another option that I'm maybe unaware of?
0: A fairy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it.
1: Thank you, Bob the Builder, for a fairy is apparently an option that I learned with my kids a few days ago or a week um, ago.
0: He's not talking about the ship either. <laughs> um so yeah, let me answer a question with a question. Is like the term star relevant to the birth of Jesus story?
1: I would assume so, but I don't actually
0: Yeah, I'd say you know, so. You know, Star of Bethlehem, that kind of stuff. But so can um, the angel to some degree too. That's so. the second question. Is an angel, you know. Rel- related to the birth of Jesus, of course. So, again, don't really think it matters. It's like whatever trips you trigger. It's like don't bow at the feet of your Christmas tree and worship it, but both are relevant to the story of Jesus and, you know, I mean, one's the messenger, one's the miraculous sign, I guess, um, I mean, in, in the sky. The
1: tree is pretty much like a green memory holder to some degree. Yeah. So again, decoration, but
0: it doesn't matter. It right. doesn't matter.
1: So th- going a little bit, well, it's still r- related to the tree, I guess, but this could go beyond the tree too. Thin light bulbs or fat light bulbs for Christmas lights?
0: Uh, I've done both. I think I prefer thin just because, I mean, they still, I mean, they still shatter. I mean, we learned that from the Christmas gala. Because it was one of those exhibits where, I don't know, one of us must have stepped on a little thin light the bulb. The ones and, are a little bit
1: harder to break, I feel like. But. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, the large light bulbs are are harder to store and I feel like they're eas- more easily breakable. You know what I mean? Whereas, I don't know how
1: people did that forever, but they must have yeah. been more durable glass or something. I don't know. But. I just
0: say thin light bulbs for the convenience. I think they look pretty good here. So.
1: All right. So uh, sticking with the lights here, colored lights... Or white lights, like, you know, the whole, or I guess you could, we get out in here, like blinking, not blinking, that kind of.
0: Yeah, I would say no animation. Uh, no, uh, tuning your tree into like 97.4 radio station, and having it set off at epileptic fits all over town. I, it should be static, but again, like, I've seen like, it depends on like the decor in your home or whatnot. Like I think like people that have, like we would, we have a synthetic tree in our dining room at home. Which has white lights, which is very pleasant. But then, you know, the one in the sunroom will be colored because, you know, most of what's in there is white. Like there's white carpet, so it refracts the light better. And so again, it depends. Depends. Annoyingly, non-like I'm evading answering for one side on all of these, but that's kind of the point.
1: All right, last one. How long can the tree and/or decoration stay up after Christmas Day?
0: Uh, I would say until July, because that's where, um, you know, Christmas Part 2 is celebrated in July, so, yeah. No, but in in all seriousness, I think it's, like, whenever you want to take them down. I don't, I don't think there's, like, a real hard limit on it. I think most people have some kind of nag at them where, you know, after a while it's like, okay, well, it's February, it's March. It's like people want to get to the warm weather if you're up north, so it's like the Christmas tree at that point is kind of like, all right, maybe if I put this away it'll start getting warm maybe the 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 outdoor elements will understand that it's supposed to be warm um but yeah I don't have a hard cutoff date for sure I'd say a typical like for me typically would be like within the time frame of New year's sometime in January it typically will come down but I think that's fairly normal
1: yeah I was gonna say probably around us probably within a week of New Year's Day is probably probably your average typical time it comes down I'm guessing or that's when you tend to see if people have real ones they're like on the side of the street to get picked up or collected for people who want to burn them later whichever thing is your thing (laughs) um but yeah yeah I, I think through New Year's Day is probably typical for most I would say at least where we are I think it's your tree could come down, whether your outside light's ever come down anytime soon. Depends on how much snow or ice is on the exactly. ground or outside or how cold it is. <laughs> exactly. I know ours have been up probably almost into March or April before, just because that's finally when it was like, this is tolerable to go out and freeze my fingers off, or not freeze them off, I guess, to take them off. But um, but um they're not on. They're just up there. <laughs> Or I like how if you go to Ellicottville, like, you know, you see, like, go in the summer and there's, like, entire other places that are still decorated for Christmas for when people come down at Christmas or they rent it out or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, it's, like, already, like, ready to go. Like, plug and in, plug in play, basically, for Christmas. But, all right. Well, that was fun. you have any last words before we end this? Any happy Christmas
0: wishes? <laughs> yeah, I just say happy Christmas everybody. Um, enjoy your holiday season and, um, you <laughs> say eat, drink and be happy.
1: You <laughs> say Merry Christmas and have a Merry Birthday Jesus, right? I mean, yeah. happy birthday Jesus.
0: Merry New Year everybody.
1: <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody for joining and we'll catch you next time.
0: Bye everybody.